and why we say the things we say. I'm Milo. And I'm Dave. He's my dad. And she is my lovely daughter. That's how that works. Thank you. You're very welcome. Well, welcome to 2021. We're here. We made it. We did. We're all happy to be out of 2020, I think. Um, Hopefully this year is going to be a lot better for everybody. Yeah. I hope you had a good last year, listener, but I hope this year is even better. Absolutely. And we're here. We're entering into, we haven't been doing this a full year yet, but... We're coming up on it. We existed in 2020, and now we're taking the podcast into 2021, which is kind of fun. And we're taking you with us. That's right. If you're listening, you're along with us. So this is one of my episodes. I Mm -hmm. get to do the... I did the research... Um, and so we have this huge list of topics, which has got dozens and dozens of, of phrases and different words and that people use that we want to, um, we want to research and present, mm-hmm. right? So this one's mine and I thought I wanted to enlist some help. Right. So I decided to ask my stepson, Ian, mm-hmm. if he would help me take a look at the list. Hey, Ian, whatever you want, whichever one of these you want to choose, I will research it. And he chose, drum roll please. See, I'm glad you didn't think he chose drum roll. You actually did the drum roll. Oh, yeah. He chose. That would have been good, though. It would have been good. Drum roll. I kind of thought about that. But he chose booby trap. Ah. Which, for a 21-year-old guy, uh, that's the one that That caught his eye. Yep. Yeah. (laughs) I approve. Yeah, but, you know, he kind of went for the low-hanging fruit if you... Oh, no. Father, no. It's What? It's a, was that a pun? Oh. It didn't mean to be... Yes, you did. Kind of. Yeah. It, I, I don't know. It's bad. Well, okay. So, despite the sounds of the term booby trap, it actually has nothing to do with female anatomy, as I think most people probably know. Darn. It's something entirely else. But we will get into, because I did want to get into a little bit, why do we call that part of the female anatomy, why do we call them boobs? Oh, sure. Okay. And I'm going to, we're just going to apologize up front, because we're going to say booby and boob a lot this episode. It's true. And there might be a little bit of humor that some might find a bit risque. Ah. So for all of you who have young children listening to the podcast, <laughs> I don't think it's going to get crazy. Yeah. But we are usually somewhat family friendly, but... Depending on your family, right? Yeah, that's always the case, right? Yeah, you never know. Um, I was talking to someone the other day about uh, different movies they let their kids watch, and then other because mm-hmm. other people are like, "Oh my goodness, you'd let your kids watch that?" And you're like, "Yeah, I don't know, but they didn't. We wouldn't let them watch this." So yeah, everyone's got the barometer in different places. So you know what this phrase means? Yeah, booby trap, right? Yeah, like Indiana Jones. It's something. It's it's a trap that. You know, causes something to happen and probably inflicts some kind of harm. Yep. For those unfamiliar with the phrase, I do like to give the definitions uh, frequently in my episodes. I like to give the, you know, what this means, the more the um, literal definition. And this is what I came up with, uh, which led into some interesting things, even just looking at the definition. Mm-hmm. So, booby trap is a device or setup that is intended to kill, harm, or surprise a human being or an animal. It is triggered by the presence or actions of the victim and sometimes has some form of bait designed to lure the victim towards it and can be used. I thought this was interesting. A booby trap can be used as a noun or a verb. Yeah. You can have set a booby trap or you can booby trap something for somebody. What's the difference between a booby trap and just a trap? Because based on that that. definition, it just sounds like the same thing. It it, it kind of is. But there's a little bit more. There is some nuance to it, though. Okay. And we'll get into what that movie track specifically is kind of going for and what the original version of it was. So... Part of the skill in placing a booby trap lies in exploiting natural human behaviors, okay. such as habit, self-preservation, curiosity, or acquisitiveness. Acquisitiveness. A common trick is to provide victims with a simple solution to a problem. For example, leaving only one door open in an otherwise secure building. They oh, we're going to kind of herd people towards where this is set. Very uh, very common for a booby trap. Mm-hmm. Uh, as I said, as I was looking at the definition, it kind of led me into some other directions immediately that I thought were kind of fun. So 
Wikipedia just had a real, I just don't like to use them for a ton of stuff, but there is a kind of an interesting, uh, they, they're quick to point out that a booby trap is different than a man trap. Okay. Have you heard of a man trap? It, it sounds like kind of a stereotypical character from like a 90s show about a woman <laughs> who dates a lot of men. No, 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 no. Uh, a man trap is a trap designed to catch men or okay. people. Uh, usually it's something set up to catch poachers or trespassers. Oh. Um, no, no, you've seen those those nasty steel traps I'm holding my hands up like like claws. Yeah, like a bear then, trap. Yeah, you step on it and yes. they close. That's kind of like what a man trap is. I actually, so I met a trapper for the first time recently. What? Um, yes. How do you meet a trapper? <laughs> it was, was it's like name? a friend of a friend who just like, he was telling me that he was going hunting. And I was like, oh, how do you, what do you use? Like a bow or a gun? Because we live in Michigan and there's a lot, a lot of hunters. A lot of hunters. And he's like, oh, I like trapping. And so he actually oh. taught me more about those bear traps and that they are not actually intended to, like, cut the skin at all. They're just supposed to hold it. But so the are... modern ones barely, rarely have teeth. Oh, okay. They're just, just, like, circles. two, yeah, flaps that just hold well, it. I still don't approve, but... <laughs> no. Um, was his name Grizzly Adams? No, but I wish. Did he have a beard? No. Uh, okay. I'm, no, I'm much more disappointed <laughs> by this story. But it's not... You know, I used to... Part of one of the jobs I had, I trapped animals. Yes, you were pest control. Yes, and so one of the things I had to do was uh, was to trap. Every once in a while, we had cages, and I'd set up a a trap for a steel trap for whatever a possum yeah. or you know a, a raccoon or a squirrel or skunk. Sometimes those did you call them fun. booby traps? I did not actually. Okay, but uh, because it doesn't really fit, which again we're going to see here in yeah. a second. So I was a little bit curious about this idea of a man trap. Because I'd never really heard of that before. So, like we said, there's usually those nasty-looking steel traps. looks like it's designed to take a foot off. Right. Or to sink the teeth into the leg of the person or an animal. So, man traps used to be legal in England. Okay. But way back in 1827, they've been illegal in England. They outlawed man traps in England. Except, which I thought this was interesting... Uh, in houses between sunset and sunrise as a defense against burglars. Is this just a Home Alone thing? I don't know, but <laughs> apparently in England... Is that real? Yes. Oh. Apparently in England, it's legal to set up a steel trap like that in your house if you're afraid someone's going to break in. Okay. But only at... What were the times of day? At night. Between only sunset at night. and sunrise. Okay. You can so you have to traps. dismantle it during the day? I guess. <laughs> or just move them to the side? Huh. I don't know. I, can you imagine going to the emergency room because your your man trap went off? Oh my gosh! Uh, how what happened? My man trap went off. Like what are you talking about? <laughs> but in an English accent, which would make it. Is better. that what that giant Venus fly trap from Little Shop of Horrors is called? I think so. Man trap. I think so. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Which uh, what was its name? Do you remember? I've never seen that show actually. Oh, I have no idea. It's Audrey. I think. Oh, okay. All right. So back to booby traps. Um, so booby traps were often used in what was called guerrilla warfare. Okay. So another point of clarification. When I say guerrilla warfare, I mean guerrilla is G-U-E-R-I-L-L-A, not guerrilla warfare yes. as the animal. Which probably has happened at some point. We just don't know about it. Guerrilla warfare? Yeah. I mean, some apes have like things that look like religions. So I would not yeah. be surprised if they also have war. Oh, I think they probably do. Yeah. And if you've seen Planet of the Apes, I mean, maybe you could call that guerrilla warfare. True. I don't know. But what <laughs> if a gorilla, the animal gorilla, goes for, like, the gorilla tactics, and that would be a guerrilla-guerrilla warfare? I would watch that movie. <laughs> You'd read that screenplay? Is yeah, that for say? sure. It's one of the... And it would be called, what's the... Uh, there's the scientific name for gorillas, like gorilla, 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 gorilla. Yeah, like, like bear, That's bear, what bear. would be the name of the movie. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. We should make it. And I love we should it. make it a stop motion animation. That'd be great. <laughs> so, uh, a little, uh, staying in my little segue of gorilla warfare, um, the word gorilla, the G U E version of gorilla, not, not the yeah. animal, uh, is based on the Spanish word guerra, which is war. Oh, okay, so yeah. So that's where, because I, I got wondering, well, why do they call it gorilla warfare? Right. Because there aren't, uh, disappointed, there's a huge lack of gorillas in gorilla warfare, because who wouldn't <laughs> want that? Um, but it's from the Spanish word uh, guerra, if I'm saying so, that correctly. So. Uh, is it is guerrilla warfare characterized by then like tactics that were 
popularized by the Spanish? Why is it called War War? <laughs> well, it's because it's 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 it got to be identified with a more non-typical type of warfare. Okay. And so it got to be like there was a lot of guerrilla warfare in the Revolutionary War. You know, okay. That's one of the reasons America was able to beat the British because they wouldn't if they would have just lined up and walked at each other, which was the fair version of war, horribly outmanned, horribly outgunned. Okay. So yes. they had to resort to you know, midnight raids, so hitting it, it, and running. It doesn't mean a specific type of warfare, it just means non traditional warfare. Yes, that is more guerrilla warfare. Interesting. I don't know if I ever knew what that actually was. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. That, it is it's more of that it's more uh in the dark, you're, you're. It's more about strategy than just brute force. Yes, and, and upsetting and causing panic and fear gotcha. and kind of striking and withdrawing really quickly or setting traps like booby traps right. is a type of guerrilla warfare. Gotcha. Okay. Yeah. Um, speaking of the guerrillas, again, another little segue going farther down the rabbit hole. Um, there is, as a, you know, there's all these different terms for animals, like a group of animals. Yeah, collective nouns. Yes, I. I, which are very interesting. Yeah. You've got a murder of crows. Mm-hmm. And do you know, can you think of any other good ones? That's my favorite is a murder um, of crows. So a lot of them are kind of like, it's debatable about whether they're actually used or whether they're just fanciful. Uh, sure. So I, I mean, pot of dolphins springs to mind. I know that there's some really fancy ones, but. How about, do you know the one for a bunch of gorillas? Do you know what they're called? I don't. They could either be called a band or a troop, or less commonly, a whoop. Oh, that's kind of nice. A whoop of gorillas. Okay. Which I think that should be more common, not less common. I do enjoy that. Watching this YouTube video of these photographers that were videoing these, a band of, a whoop of gorillas. Uh Uh-huh. I do like that. uh, You know, these big, big silver back, just a massive. Terrifying. Oh my gosh. Just this incredibly, like, very muscular. And. The gorilla is, I mean, they're within 10, 5, 10 feet of these things, mm-hmm. right? Just staying very calm. Yep. Gorilla walks by, grabs this guy's nope. leg, and just <laughs> pulls him for about 10 feet and then just lets him go. Uh-huh. And the guy just, you know, of course, just limp. And yep. like, oh, no. Play dead. And the guy, I mean, it's a clearly just a power play. The gorilla yes. is like, hey, by the way, here, I'm, I'm in charge. I'm the one in control here. Yeah. Yep. And if I wanted to, I could do whatever I wanted and you couldn't do anything to stop me. You have no recourse. Yeah. I did just see, I've been looking online and they do say for just apes in general, the collective noun is a shrewdness of apes. Oh. Don't know how scientific that is but it sounds like cool it. do you like shrewdness better or a whoop of apes better well it whoops of gorilla i think that was whoop gorilla, gorilla specific um, yeah but messing apes up is that. a shrewdness that's true i like it I a like skulk it of foxes okay that that that's, seems to track yeah i like that a lot okay and this site has now lost all credibility a barrel of monkeys i don't think no. that's nope <laughs> never mind you suggest erase all those things you heard none of those are probably true oh my gosh uh, that's a game did you ever play the barrel of monkeys game yes oh, yeah i used to have that grandma joyce had it in her closet of course she did grandma joyce shout out to grandma joyce and ray grandpa ray <laughs> okay so we've determined what the booby trap is not a yes. little bit with it's nothing to do with the female anatomy Kind of getting Darn. idiots, guerrilla warfare. Could we- you set a booby trap from boobs? Well, you probably That's probably could. just what a femme fatale is, right? Yeah, it's a different well, sure, name for a femme fatale, a booby trap. 100% because it is playing on some type of a human weakness or desire to yes. draw them in. I think the whole idea of a booby trap is like drawing them into where you want them yes. to be. And we're going to give some examples of this in a minute. Okay. So, yeah. Um Okay, so start us off. We when we hear the word booby now, uh-huh. <laughs> yeah, right. People are going to think of women's breasts. I mean, that's yes. You might think booby trap or some of the other usages that got attached to the word booby. Or if you're in the UK, you might think it's like I think that's used as like a term for a dumb person, like you're a booby, like where, a loser. Yep, and that's, that's hey. well, that's where all this comes from. Because yep, okay, we're going to dive into got that it. real real soon here. Um, Sorry, spoilers. No, it's fine. But the word "booby," you're right. It did. It did start off with it. That's kind of where it comes from. Is the whole idea of, of someone who's stupid. We're going to mm-hmm. dive into that in just a second. But it didn't always mean somebody who was dumb. A boob. Yeah. Um, 
it, in fact, in the early 1900s, the word boob was a slang for prison. Oh, okay. So from the Oxford English Dictionary in 1911, G. Bronson Howard in his, um, I think it was a, a book called Enemy to Society. This is the, the I don't exactly how you're supposed to read this, but this is the, the sentence from this book. Stooling for the coppers and swearing many a right guy into the boob. <laughs> that's a happy lesbian laugh people just oh, so you know very good all right so i want a t-shirt that says that happy lesbian laugh <laughs> oh, you like you that you can market that i think i can um you know i just i was kind of tickled by the whole uh sw- stooling for the coppers and swearing many a right guy into the boob it's very good yeah it is good there's a little bit of a spoiler but that's okay because you had an idea booby comes from the spanish word bobo Okay. Which means stupid. Right. In parts of Central Africa, the word bobo means someone who does not speak at all or does not speak properly. Wait. Where? Okay. So what so was the origin of bobo? We're going to get... Just stick with me a second. Okay. Okay. Because this is this is interesting. I'm kind of going backwards farther into time. So the Spanish word bobo okay, means yeah, stupid. Yeah. Um, I don't think they speak much, but apparently the word bobo in Central Africa is someone who can be mute or does not speak properly. Okay. Or speaks foolishly or who does not speak the prevailing language. Gotcha. Bobo comes from the Latin word bulbus, which meant stuttering. Okay. So apparently in ancient Rome, they thought that stuttering was a sign of stupidity. So if you if they stuttered, they thought you know someone was dumb, right? Which is where we get dumb of not speaking too. Yeah, like sure. Like deaf and dumb, and that's the different different direction of it is bulbous, someone who stuttered then became bobo, which meant stupid. Okay. So you can see that what where that language? Because you said that it was common in Central Africa. From what languages? It doesn't say. And okay. That's one of those. That's one of those sites where you know where I got this from. I mean. I thought it was interesting, but again, some of that stuff you have to take with a grain of salt, right? Because I, but we know that Bobo. Yeah, the non-specificity stupid. there, and I, I just, I'm curious whether it's a Latin-based language because then it's know. the same root. But In Central Africa, I don't know that you would have a lot of Latin-based languages. I know there's a decent amount of French there. It could be, and so maybe that's why. Possibly. Um, so Balbus, which is a Latin word, um, which meant stuttering, is what's called an echoic word. Okay. And it was probably meant to imitate the repeating of syllables. Okay. So is that Balbus, what a coic means? Yes, that's apparently. And of course, you know, obviously we know that, that stuttering, it does not obviously a... Oh, a echoic. Echoic? What did echoic. I say? Echoic. Oh, like echoing. Yeah. I was thinking a uh, uh, oh, coic. No, I'm sorry. Is that no, right? it was Midwestern yeah. accent, but yeah. now I get it because it's echoic. Yes, echoic. Yes. Cool. Um and it also, I did a little bit of research into stuttering because that's mm-hmm. very interesting. Yeah. Um, That'll tie into our next episode, too, actually. We'll really? talk a bit about stuttering. Yeah. Stuttering can be genetic. They think it mm-hmm. might be genetic. Yeah. Which I didn't know that before. Or I had this thought. I thought, well, may, maybe it could be genetic. Or maybe if you're a child and you have a parent who stutters and you're might learning be language, learned. Okay. You just, you're like, I'm just repeating what I yeah, hear. Yeah, possibly. It could be a mix of nature and nurture, like most things are. Have you ever... Uh, have you ever run into someone who stutters really, really badly? Mm, I I did have a friend in high school who had a couple of speech impediments. Mm. Um, the one that's kind of like Boston sounding and yes. a, a decent stutter. Yes, your younger sibling. Has, yes, uh, the same. Used to have the Boston. Yeah, you know, I have to go. We're going to the party, going to the car. Yeah, you know, and he grew up in uh, Iowa and then Michigan. So, but then yeah, he. But- he went to speech therapy, and it's not yeah. a necessity. My friend from high school didn't go, and it's that's fine. fine. Who cares? He he did fine. I had a I had a customer once uh, years ago at the bank, and um, this customer would come in, and the customer would come to me frequently because I think he felt somewhat comfortable. Okay, but he had an inc- the worst stutter I've ever heard in my life. Yeah. there would be like two three second pauses between mm-hmm. him trying the syllables. And I just, in that moment, of course, you don't fill in the words for the person. Right. You let, they want to talk, you let them talk right. like you would anyone else. Um, he did not want to be helped out, so I just sat and listened. And it's an interesting experience mm-hmm. because that 
is just where he is and that's who he is in right. this part of his life. But it was interesting how that made me feel right. as he's doing that and being aware of that. And like, well, I, obviously I'm still going to help the guy, mm-hmm. but it was, a, it was an experience I'd never had before because okay. it was such an incredibly um, pronounced stutter. Yeah. But yeah, I could you could see where hundreds, thousands of years ago, like, oh, this must mean this person's slow, but of course it doesn't mean no. that. No. We know more about that now. <laughs> yes. So that um, <clears throat> that's where the word booby comes from, and that's where the booby trap, booby being stupid, a stupid person um, being – this is old. This is, re- mm-hmm. again, really old. Um, so it kind of – you get the gist of bobo meaning stupid, uh, but then kind of turning into boob and booby. Again, I said we'd use it a lot, and I am owning up to that. <laughs> So the term booby meaning a certain a stupid person, uh, the, the earliest we could find is in 1599. Um, wow. There was a comedic play. It was probably written between 1599 and 1603. And of course, I have to read a little sentence from the poem for, for the play. Then, mage a booby fool of Sir Owen indeed, God's plude shall. Plude? Plude. P-L-U, I don't even know. Plude. So from 1599... And then I thought, okay, there is this comedic play, of course, written in 1600 called Patient Gristle, G-R-I-S-S-I-L. And I I thought, well, what is this? Mm-hmm. And I had to look it up. And oh, boy, we're going on a fun little trip right here. Oh, boy. Oh, which is going to lead into a little bit of a conversation between you and I. Okay. Yeah. So I am checking out this play called Patient Gristle. Grissel, I don't know. And I was kind of wondering what it was about. And it said, the plot is a variant of the medieval tale of patient Griselda. Okay. Which is told in, told in Chaucer's Canterbury Tales and Boccaccio's Decameron. Sure. Oh, boy. So, I know Canterbury Tales. Don't know about the yep, other one. <laughs> me too. I've heard of that. You know, <laughs> you know, if you're into literature at all, you've heard of Canterbury yep. Tales probably. So this is... Oh my gosh, this tale, this patient Griselda, like it's been retold many times. Mm-hmm. This is what it is, and it's quite awful. Okay. Okay, in the most famous version of the Griselda tale, written by Giovanni Boccaccio uh, around 1350, Griselda marries Gualtieri, the Marquis of Saluzzo. Who, okay. This guy's a just wow. He tests her by declaring that their two children, a son and a daughter, must both be put to death. Griselda gives both of them up without protest, but Galtieri does not actually kill the children, instead sending them away to Bologna to be raised. In a final test, Galtieri publicly renounces Griselda, claiming he had been granted papal dispensation to divorce her and marry a better woman. Griselda goes to live with her father. Some years later, Gualtieri announces he is to remarry and recalls Griselda as a servant to prepare the wedding celebrations. He introduces her to a 12-year-old girl he claims to be his bride, but who is really their daughter. Oh, boy. Griselda wishes them well. At this, Gualtieri reveals their grown children her, and Griselda is restored to her place as wife and mother. Oh, what a cheery tale. We should put that one on for the holidays. This is a, a tale that had been retold. Many times, uh-huh. and again, there's a version. It's 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 called a patient Griselda story. I mean, she's patient. <laughs> well, I wanted to talk a little bit because I and we're gonna get a little deep here, listeners, and just bear with us. But it kind of reminds me of how there's this. I want to talk about the patriarchy a second. So this story, I mean, there obviously it was a much more patriarchal society back hundreds of years ago, but. You know, obviously, we're still dealing with that stuff today. For sure. But I just really got to thinking of, like, this was a well-known story that people, they would, like, see this being portrayed. And they're like, oh, this is a patient Griselda story. Mm-hmm. You know, apparently there was some knowledge. It's an archetype. It yeah, an archetype to reinforce the idea, like, I don't know, as a woman, like, how does, if that story was out there and being uh-huh. communicated, like, I don't, I don't know, just kind of get some of your thoughts about the patriarchy being strengthened by telling certain stories and how, Um, I don't know. What do you think? It's an interesting question. 
Uh, so I was raised as a woman. So definitely I have a lot of, a lot of the stories we have are still patriarchal. And that was my next question. Actually. Yes. Okay. Then maybe I'll save that part because I have no, a specific. No, just go. Okay. No, just go. You're so like a, a show that I really liked as a teenager was Firefly. Yes, great. And show. I still really like that show. Mm-hmm. I rewatched it when I had COVID because I had nothing else to do. Right. And I was a little bit horrified. <laughs> really? Because that show and a lot of what Joss Whedon makes is has a very patriarchal slant to it. Mal Reynolds is a very patriarchal character. Yes. In the way that he infantilizes the female members of his crew. Uh, They're very capable women, and they're good characters. I'm not saying they're not. I like them a lot. But the way that the men in the story treat them is very telling, especially Inara, the sex worker. Yes. That was the most troubling part. (laughs) Yeah, he doesn't treat her well at all. He's, for the audience, he's the hero and this incredible man that you're really supposed to look up to and admire and want to be. But at the same time... He's treating these women very, very poorly. I mean, he's on the surface being a, a nice man for the most part. Right. But he's also, you know, making jokes that were for the time but are not now. And yeah. the woman still falls in love with him. Of course. Because that's the reward that a man gets. So I've been, you know, surrounded by these stories for a long time. And I think, I mean, it's Firefly isn't a bad show and none of these are... Just having this, like, very white man slant doesn't make a story bad, but Mm. we do need to recognize that this is so many of the stories that we have are about making the white man look good, and he always wins no matter what. He gets the girl. Yes. And that can definitely drive home patriarchy, because then people on the outside of that, especially men who feel like they aren't getting what they want... Mm-hmm. They feel entitled to getting what they want, no matter how they treat the people around them. Yes. Because they are the hero of their own story, because that's the only kind of hero they've seen. They expect to get what they want. And that's where we get, like, incel culture, where people think that yeah. they are entitled to women's bodies and entitled to sex when that's not a right. <laughs> you can't just take that from people. There might be some of our listeners that aren't familiar with that term you just mm-hmm. used. So incel is a uh, type of person. It's like a community that arose out of Reddit, um, which, which is, is a website a- that it's it's like a social networking kind of communication board. Yeah. And it, it's really widespread. It's not all bad. But definitely it has given rise to certain cultures, including incels, which is short for involuntarily celibate. Ah, uh, yes, that's right. Which is men who believe that they should... In most cases, that the, the kind of the background of that culture is that it's made of men who think that they should be allowed to have sex with whatever woman they want, or that someone should assign them a woman, that they should just be gifted a woman to yeah. have. And yeah. that's more, it's a bigger culture than you would hope. <laughs> yeah, and I would, I'm going to just add to that by saying, you know, there's nothing wrong with a story where a white guy is the hero. Oh, for sure. And, and I, you're yeah. not saying that. No. And I want to make sure, like, yes. the listeners, I'm not saying, like, there's nothing wrong with the movie Iron Man or whatever because a white guy happens to be the hero. And sometimes the pendulum swings too far the other way. And you're like, oh, any movie where a white guy is a hero is bad. We shouldn't support right. it. But if that's the only story that's being told, exactly. it's the that's whole, the It's problem. the whole Bechtel test thing, right? Where... So the Bechtel test is a test that Alison Bechtel, a cartoonist, came up with in the 80s. It was a one-off like joke about a comic, but it's become a really interesting media metric uh-huh. where oh, you right. look and see if two non-male people speak to each other for more than a minute. And there's different <laughs> iterations, right. but the vast majority of movies do not pass, they even close. And just because a movie doesn't pass the Bechtel test doesn't mean it's a bad movie. There are right. war movies that just aren't gonna. No, because, it's not what it's about. Like, All Quiet on the Western Front. No, it's a fabulous it's, movie. It's a great movie. It's historically very important. And just by nature of it, there's not going to be a lot of women in it. But there's no reason that Iron Man shouldn't pass the Bechdel test. Sure. Because there's it's a modern movie and there's a multitude of women in it. Not enough women. I can probably only name one woman in it. But, yeah, Pepper Potts. That's, yep. that's about it. And I don't think she talks to another woman the whole time. Yeah. And 
that's where you just tried it for me trying to become aware not trying to shame some of the stuff that's already been made i mean some of it we should because some of it's bad and you know has bad messages but like it's not it's not cancel culture yeah. it's not like you can't have this you can't watch this we should eliminate it all but it's like could we be aware of the larger story that's being consistently told exactly because it's it's cumulative yes. it's not the individual movie Although we need to be better about the individual movies are making and examining what they're saying. But just it's not just because Iron Man doesn't have women characters that there's a problem. Right. It's because there wasn't a female-led superhero movie until 15 years after superheroes got popular again. Right. And that's a problem. <laughs> yeah, there's such a vast minority of them is, is part of the problem. And I get it. They think the studios are like they're trying to make it's a for-profit business and they're trying to make movies they think people are going to see that are tried and true. And they commonly make the excuse that there's just not the creators to make those movies. But the reason there aren't the creators to make those movies is because women, people of color, queer people aren't given the same opportunities that cis-het white men are. So they get buried under the wave of whiteness and maleness. maleness. And And one of the things, and of course I grew up and, I, and 20, 30 years ago, I would have vehemently disagreed with all of this and thought it was all malarkey and just, you know, like, whatever. People are just being too sensitive. Mm-hmm. One of the things, and there's sometimes you can point to key moments in your life that really shifted how you think. Yeah. Um, and I had a moment with this. Um, I know this has nothing to do with booby trap, but bear with us because we do this all the time. <laughs> the moment for me is when I saw a YouTube video about a little girl who I think she was just born with... You know, with one leg, one half of her other leg was missing. And her mom and dad bought her a Barbie that they had customized so Mm -hmm. that it was, it had a prosthetic, had a missing leg and a prosthetic leg. This girl was about seven, eight years old. She opens this Barbie and she starts weeping. Yeah. And they're like, honey, is it okay? And she's like, well, you know, what's wrong? And she's like, she said, she looks like me. Mm -hmm. And I was like, oh. And I was already starting to hear voices. Connects, yep. Of like, if you are this list of people, you know, whatever, it's a huge list of people that you're not the white male who's yeah. straight, there's always the hero, always yes. the guy that's the protagonist. And always wins. And always wins. And the, and the villain is frequently yes. a woman. Uh, or it's a, lot, and a whole bunch, a ton of times, it's just another white guy, too, is the villain. Yes. But we're this is also going into queer stuff, but often the, the villainous man will be... Uh, Given like effeminate and sure. queer like flagging, other especially in old Disney movies. Sorry, Disney. Yeah, well, you know, and that's, that's I'm not what sorry, it, Disney. And, well, no, and, and and they were totally monop- capitalizing on what was appealing to the cult, most of the yes. culture at that time. And so when I saw that video again, I was like, oh wow, you know, if you the idea of representation, why again, why the first Wonder Woman was such a great movie in some ways is a lot of little girls were like, oh. A woman could be powerful and still have – they don't have to act like a man in the movie. Mm -hmm. Now they have value like Atomic Blonde with Charlize Theron, which is just basically – she's a female John Wick. Okay. She's – there's nothing – she's not being a woman. She's just like – she's acting as much as a man as a man is supposed to act. Right. Instead of like, oh, here's some qualities that could be brought to mm-hmm. the, the forefront and not be shamed as weakness. Right. Like yeah. maybe she's nurturing and like, oh, that's weak or she has, she's showing her emotions. Some of the things that would be more traditionally feminine mm-hmm. and like, no, no, we got to start getting some of those things aren't helpful. Right. Because it's, I mean, it's so much of gender, like we've talked about before, is gray area. So it's it's not just about performing masculinity to be seen as cool. Yes, exactly. Anybody can be cool and anybody can be any combination of traditionally masculine or traditionally feminine traits. Yeah. And that doesn't discount them from being any kind of person. Well, the thing that's really kind of come up to me and I've become much more aware of in the last few years specifically is how much being female was an insult. Yes. Especially as for a young man growing up, like you fight like a girl, you're mm-hmm. crying like a little baby girl, you know, you, you know, all these things. You're gay because you're, if you're gay, that's really weak and bad because you're acting more feminine. Right. And you start to pay attention to these narratives that are woven all throughout culture. And you, like I start to go, oh, wow, I was 
a part of this mm-hmm. really blindly, but doesn't excuse it. But trying to see that pattern of like, oh, this isn't just people whining because like, oh, you know, whatever. You just got your feelings hurt. Yeah. But trying to see that and trying to change and become more aware of it. Right. Because empathy doesn't hurt anyone. <laughs> like what right. the people's aversion to being empathetic is fascinating to me. Mm. Like, especially for people like you were talking about earlier, how you would have been before of just like, oh, people are being too sensitive. What's wrong with being sensitive? Even if they are being sensitive. Like, representation is important, and I'm not discounting that. But even if someone is just being sensitive, why should we not still respect that? Because that's still a legitimate feeling. It is. It is. I I will will put a caveat to that. I think there are times you can be too sensitive. Mm -hmm. I think not in a sense that emotions are bad, but I think... I, I don't want us to – I think there's parts of culture that, like, they're looking for ways to be offended. Okay. And that's where, like, I don't – that can get unhealthy. Right. Where, like, I'm just looking for things out there on the right. internet. Like, oh, this offends me and I'm angry because this exists. Like, that wasn't even for you. I think that that type of person definitely exists. But what worries me is that that is how a lot of – people who don't want to take the time to be empathetic. They just sure. want to paint everyone yeah, who doesn't, who isn't exactly them as that. But it doesn't mean that that pe- type of person doesn't yes, exist. that person does exist, but I but think that they are pretty rare, I think if so I'm being too. honest. Yeah. Oh, I agree. I agree. And I think it's just easy. It's easier to dismiss what we don't know and associate yes. and feel comfortable with. Oh, they're just like, mm-hmm. and even by using their, that means they're not us. Right. Othering language. Yeah, that's right. But... Anyway. But back to the the base story, I mean, stuff like that, the archetypical, I mean, that is, what's what's the word for that? It's, it's like a morality tale yeah. about how women should behave. Yes. They should take whatever's given to them and be thankful for it. And it's so blatant. Yes. The women, the woman should be satisfied and trust the man no matter what happens right. to a ridiculous extreme where the woman's supposed to be like, oh, you want to divorce me? Great. You're, you're going to murder our children? Great. <laughs> you're going to marry someone and you it's want a little me to be biblical your servant? There. Like, wow. That is just... That's It gets really dark. Yes, for sure. But that's been a pretty... It's Like you said, that was a part of a lot of... It's an archetype because it was told so many times yeah. that way. Yeah. As a morality teller to teach women how to see themselves and consider yes. their own self-worth. Your real value is in when you submit and serve. Right. That's why you're here. Uh-huh. And, you know, we're not going to get too deep into this, but even, like you said, biblically... Um, Actually, with some of the stuff as they can, again, Hebrew um, and Aramaic have some very ancient roots. They're very, very right. old. And so one of the one of the original terms to use for Eve, mm-hmm. as they got into this, the term used for Eve, they said she is going to be your helper. Yes. The term is ezerkenegdo. Okay. So they originally thought that was someone who's going to come along and help. If you look in scripture, when Ezer Connecto is used, mm-hmm. it's not helpmate, it's savior. Okay. So if you look at the original story, what they were, what I believe, the original mm-hmm. story, but again, warped to fit that, na- right. that narrative. Right, because it's been translated a thousand times. <laughs> right, and it, and it very much, and again. I, I, with I'm, agendas, because translation comes with agenda. 100% every yep. time. And so I, and I do believe people try to translate some people try to translate very cleanly and try to do it as accurately as they knew how. Right. Still biases involved. Of course, because it's all from your worldview. So even if you're trying, you can't escape from your own worldview. Yeah. But if you go back to the, and again, this is something people are still trying to figure out and understand, that original Adam and Eve story got twisted. Like, oh, look, the woman serves the man. She's there to help take care of him and do whatever he wants. It has been suggested, and it looks like that's not what was happening at all. The woman was coming to be... Act 100% equal with the mm-hmm. man and was in some way saving him. Okay. Um, which I think it makes it a much more beautiful story and a much better story just in talking about community and why it's not good that we're alone. We need yeah. each other not to boss around and own or and they have yes. to serve us, but to be that equal partner. Unless you're Paul, in which case. <laughs> and Paul had some issues and he was <laughs> responding to the culture of his day. Yes. Um, and again, that doesn't make it okay. But we have to try to look at things through 
different context mm-hmm. and understand. Because if you take some of the things, if you go back to Mark Twain and go, you can either draw the conclusion, well, Mark Twain is a horrible man because he wrote Huckleberry Finn and Tom Sawyer and he was awful and terrible. Or, you know, again, there's problems in that book. We read that now and go, oh, yeah, my gosh. Sure. We don't we don't go, well, if it was fine, then it's fine now. Correct. That's one ditch. Uh-huh. And the other ditch is, well, we have to burn everything he's ever written because right. he's a terrible, terrible person. And neither one of those is helpful, in my opinion. Yeah. Anyway, I would agree. <laughs> Mark Twain. So I do have a little bit more about Booby Trap, but I was very interested in having that. Again, we don't. Like you had no idea I was going to bring that up today, so no, try to have I'm, that conversation. I'm piece. always pretty rearing to talk about depictions of gender and culture. <laughs> I know. That's why I brought it up, because I think it's interesting. All right. Okay. Thank you for uh, sticking with us, listeners. Hope you did. We're going to get back to booby trap here in a second. The next time we really see booby trap being used is in 1630 by author and traveler Sir Thomas Herbert, and he mentioned the tropical bird. So... There's also, you've probably heard of the blue-footed booby. Yep. You've heard of this? Mm-hmm. Okay. So it, it's tough to know exactly, you know, what came first. I think the term boob, meaning stupid, then got attached to this bird. Okay. Because this bird was considered to be very dumb. Okay. Because it was very easily captured. Mm-hmm. It would come and fly and just land on ship railings and wouldn't even try to get away. The soldiers would just go right up to it and grab it. Great. And then they would kill it and eat it. Right. As a Yay, fresh sailors meat. want to do. So, uh, Sir Thomas, this is a very well-known thing. Um, he said said the, the bird is fitly called a booby um, in one of his books because he's just a stupid bird. It's very dense. doesn't even know how to try to get away and save itself. Apparently, there's also an old British expression which is a, says a booby will never make a hawk. Oh, Okay. Meaning a bird that obviously allows itself to be so easily duped will never become a bird of prey itself. Mm-hmm. Today it's called, there's uh, the red-footed booby called the Sula Sula. Okay. And there are other, there are four other species of booby birds as well. So the one I heard of, like I mentioned, is the blue-footed booby. Yeah, I'd heard that too. And I'm talking to Carol about this episode, as I frequently mm-hmm. do, and I bore her with the details that she doesn't really <laughs> want to hear, but it's kind of practicing for the podcast a right. little bit. So she tolerates me. And I tolerate all the French stuff she does. So. Ah, <laughs> uh, uh, marriage. See? Equality. It's compromise. Um, she shows me things that I'm not super excited about sometimes, and I end up really liking. Mm-hmm. And I show her stuff that's exciting to me, and that always bores her. Oh, no. But, well, it's okay. It happens. I think she compromises more than I do. <laughs> so she had she wanted me to watch a video of the mating ritual of the blue-footed booby. Okay. Which is quite comical. So it's National Geographic, of course. Yeah. And so what will happen is is the, the male blue-footed booby will start walking towards the female. And he'll raise a foot up very intentionally and then put it down. This is the start of the dance. Okay. And then he'll put the other one up and he'll like hold it and then put it down as he starts walking towards this girl in a very stilted mm-hmm. fashion. And then he'll raise his wings up. He'll put his head down and he'll raise his wings up. My and dad like is pantomiming all of this. I am, absolutely. For to, the auditory medium. <laughs> it's for you. Oh, thanks. Um, so then, and then he will give her a gift, which is usually like a stick. Oh, how nice. So he does a little bit of a weird dance, mm-hmm. throws his wings up while putting his head down, and then he gives her a stick, usually a small little stick. And then she, if she's interested, she'll, she'll, be, she'll generally just repeat the behavior back to him. Okay. And then they get it on, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, I tried this with Carol. Did not work at all. <laughs> you didn't pick a good enough stick. I do. Apparently not. Um, I'll have to try again. Maybe I just did it wrong. Okay. So back to the term. A booby trap is, again, this is where it involves, there's an implication that the person that's falling into the trap is stupid. Right. As you had mentioned before, they're kind of an idiot. And when they first started, booby traps first started becoming a term it was more practical joke type stuff, um, and then it moved more into warfare. Mm-hmm. Really, more around World War One, we think, is when they started like, okay, the booby trap is meant to kill okay. or injure somebody. But like originally, it's like, oh, you just tricked somebody. Like there's the old, you've seen the old fashioned practical joke where they put a pail on top of a door that's partly open, yes. and then you open the door and the pail of water falls down on somebody, or a nail polish remover. 
What? It's from a very old what? sketch group thing. Oh, no. <laughs> it's a joke. Oh, yeah. Because it blinds the guy that goes underneath <laughs> He's it. He's screaming? Yeah. Have you, uh, are you uh, much of a practical joker? Have you no. done? Because you I, know I am. I know you are, yes. Yeah. My, my practical jokes basically just boil down to hiding something weird in someone else's house. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good one, though. I yeah, like that one. I like that one, too. So I am a little bit of a practical joker, and I'm just going to regale our listeners and you with a couple of the practical okay. jokes I've done. Um, okay, number one is we used to have this really bright light. Okay. And I don't know where we used to go to thrift stores in the 80s with my buddies when before anyone really did that or Goodwill. And we found this incredibly bright. It was light used for movies. Oh, wow. And it would get really hot. And so uh-huh. my friend Jim, he bought one. He bought this light for like five bucks or whatever. And so my he and my friend um, Dan, we, we all rented this house together. I was like 19 years old. And so we were, this is our first time out of the house. And then Dan worked third shift. Uh-oh. And so uh, our second shift and I worked third shift. I set the light up through a whole bunch of of string and, and like hook and eyes and everything. Mm-hmm. And I got, I suspended the light at face, about face height. Uh-huh. And so when he got home from his shift, you know, about midnight, he's real tired. He opened the door to his room and it turned the light on that was right at his face level. Uh-huh. And I didn't get to see it, but apparently it worked great and it really scared him. <laughs> and that made me so happy. So later you learned to document it because I have seen videos of a similar type of have joke you really? that you have on camera. Yes. Yeah. Where you set up a deer's head and i believe my aunt's bedroom yes i did do that and waited for her to open it It and so there's like 20 minutes of camera footage of just like the back of this deer head in an empty door she walks in and she screams and it makes me very happy um a little more complicated practical joke i pulled um is i this guy i used to work with he was going to hawaii uh, for a trip and he needed to get his car in the shop and he was at his the car was at the shop the day before the next day he was going to be on vacation and needed to work so I called a friend of mine, um, a fellow manager at the bank where I worked, and said, hey, call this guy and tell him that his car is not going to be ready today. Mm-hmm. So he does, and he's like, yeah, he fell for it. But the guy who we were pulling the joke on came back and said, oh, I didn't fall for that at all. I knew it was I knew it was a joke. And I'm like, okay. So then my evil little brain goes, hey, wait a second. Uh-huh. I have a friend also working for the mm-hmm. bank that – when you get a call from Columbus, Ohio, yeah. where the headquarters were, you knew it's usually someone from HR or something maybe bad. So my friend who worked in Ohio, uh-huh. I had called this other manager, and I was I was on the phone. I was silent in the background. So my friend Catherine calls Craig, my my friend and a manager who called pretending to be this auto repair mechanic. Uh-huh. And she says, "Hey, can I talk to can I talk to Craig?" And he said, "Yeah, this is Craig." She says, "So Craig, this is uh, this is Catherine from uh, HR in Ohio." Mm-hmm. And he's like, uh, "Yeah, what's what can I do for you?" So did you did you make a phone call to an employer earlier today, um, pretending to be someone you weren't? And he goes, uh, <laughs> "Yeah." He's like, "Do you think that was an appropriate oh, thing no. to do to somebody?" And he's like, "Ah." Uh, Probably not. And then I couldn't take any more. I said, Craig, Craig, it's Dave. This is all a joke. You're not in trouble. He's like, oh, F you, man. I'm going to kill you. And he, he I'm going to get you back. Of course, he never did. Yeah. That's the thing about Well, it's still coaches. waiting. It's been the like. The day's coming. It's been like eight years. So I think he's. It's a long con. It is. It is. That's that's what we're about. Okay. So but you, you're really not into practical jokes that much. Uh, I. You don't do it as much. I've, I've done it some. Okay. I was in theater. You always do some level of practical jokes in theater. And hiding things in people's houses. And hiding things in people's houses. Have I do did, love that. Have you done that to me? Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. You are target target number one. What? What did you hit in my house? You'll find out. In my house now? Yeah. Oh, really? Yep. Oh, okay. I guess. I think, th- I bet we find things and we just figure it's someone else's. I think that might be the case. Yeah. Um, so we're going to talk about just a tiny little bit about some bad booby traps okay when they started getting violent yeah in the vietnam war um, they were spikes known as uh, punji sticks yeah i've heard of those hidden in grassy areas and so when fired upon soldiers were instinctively sought to take cover by throwing themselves down on the ground yep 
And there would be all types of sharp it's spikes there. It's a pit with sharp spikes. Also heavily featured in one of the Tony Hawk's games for some reason. Well, That's why the, I'm familiar with it. And in the show, in the game, the old video game Pitfall, an Atari oh, game in the 80s, uh-huh. had those types of traps. Another thing they used to do is, again, they try to use a track to something that soldiers would want, and they would leave a bottle of whiskey behind. Okay. Or something like that, and they'd pick it up, and it'd be a landmine, and they'd go boom. A um, couple other usages of booby. You get booby hatch, which um, has to do with sailors on ships. There's a booby okay. hatch. So, and what they would sometimes put um, a deranged sailor down there as like a prison oh. or somebody who's acting up. And then you started it's to get this idea. Madness. Yes. And that's when you started to get this idea of a booby hatch being used to describe an insane asylum. Okay. That's an older term. And that's where it starts to get a bit problematic. Uh-huh. Again, the term's a bit problematic. Bulbous with Latin, meaning someone who stuttered and then being stupid. Right. Now it's being kind of twisted to be someone who's crazy. Okay. There was a comic strip called um, Count Screwloose of Toulouse. And okay. <laughs> written by Milt Gross in 1895 to 1953. So it was around for a real long time. Um well, I think that's how long he lived. So it was 1929 to 1934 as a Sunday comic strip. So Count Screwloose would escape, chronically escape from Nutty Crest. Okay. The name of the insane asylum. Reference yeah. back to the episode you did. He spent the day being horrified by antics of the normal folks. And the last panel would always hurry back to the asylum, which he would say back to the dear old booby hatch. Oh, Okay. Couple other fun little things before we get to what you really want to talk about. Um, James <laughs> Thurber was a big fan, is an author in the 1940s. The name's familiar. Um, the Unicorn in the Garden. Um, the moral of the story was don't count your boobies before they hatch. Okay. Um, a booby prize is given to the loser because it's supposed to be something humorous. That mm-hmm. goes all the way back to 1893. Boob tube for television, of course. Um, That's is that more off of idiot or is it more yeah, off of idiot? Oh, okay. Idiot box. Yeah, I've heard idiot box. The last couple of minutes, we're just going to talk about how did the word boob mean? Come Yay! To mean <laughs> what you're all here for? It didn't come from bosom. Okay. It came from the Elizabethan boob bubbies. Okay. So bubbies was corrupted to boobies, and hence boob in or just before what's, the 1950s. What's bubbies? Okay, I'm glad you asked. Uh huh. Started with the Latin word papa. Okay. Meaning little girl. This in turn gave rise to bubby in German, B U B B I, then B U B B Y, meaning breast in English in the late 17th century. Okay. According to the Oxford English Dictionary, the first instance of bubby referring to breast was in Thomas de Urfray's new collection of songs and poems published in 1683, where he states The ladies here may without scandal shoe, face, or white bubbies to each ogling bow. And then again, um, we're going to go back to our friend Henry Miller again. Um, And he, in 1934, the work Tropic of Cancer, I just had to throw this in because this is just so weird. She was lying on the divan with her boobies in her hands. And then, uh, okay, here's where Henry, sorry, I didn't say back to our old friend Henry Miller. So here we go back to our friend Henry Miller who liked writing about boobs. And I'm just, we're going to finish the podcast, this episode, with another quote from his book, Sexus. Um, published in 1950. This is just something. I felt her sloshy boobs joggling oh, me, no. but I was too intent on pursuing the ramifications of Coleridge's amazing mind to let her vegetable appendages disturb me. Vegetable appendages. Vegetable appendages. I don't know Sexy. whose boobies Henry Miller was looking at, but uh, if they were vegetable appendages, maybe... I'm concerned. I'm concerned. So wait, boobs comes from the word for doll? Um, boobies comes from... Papa, meaning little girl. Yeah, so little girl and then to doll. Or, okay, so. B-U-B-B-I why, and then to breast. Why little girl to to boob? Papa apparently just went to bubby. Um, I'm not entirely sure. Okay, I might have been bubby. thinking about dolls because the, the French word for doll is, is um, poopa. Oh, is it? Yes, which I'm sure comes from that. That's got to be where that comes from. So well, I think I went off in a different direction it, there. Well, it just it started to be somehow attached to, you know, little girl, feminine, girl, woman. I don't huh. know. And so Bubby became, then you got Bubby to Booby or breast 
Okay. Because it was associated with something feminine and just over like the over the centuries. Weird. It, it got so then because almost nobody calls a woman's breast boobies now. I mean not boobies, but boobs, boobs sure, a lot. But, yeah. But boobies, that was a That's that funny was, that booby comes first though. It kinda does well yeah. it's not it, it, it not shortened, but though, right? yes, it's yeah, yeah. Okay, so that was a just kind of uh, an episode <laughs> I know is all over the place. I apologize. We often do that. Um, this is a little more than normal, but just again, things catch your attention and you kind of go yep. there. So bunny what? trails, bunny trails, booby trails. No, that's not. We're going. not going. That one's not no, going to catch on. No, not and it shouldn't. What stood out to you? What What's something and amidst all that? Boobs. Okay, <laughs> that's what stuck out to you. Great. They do tend to stick out. So they do. Um, is that it? That's what you've got. That's what stood out. That's what I'm going with. That's it. I'm going with boobs. Oh. <laughs> okay. Um, I was just really uh, that whole story, the patient Griselda, and yeah. just the, the conversation it led to between you and I there on the show. Um, just like what just such a crass yeah brazen example of of that how that message they're trying to communicate yes not even trying to be subtle about it so that's that's booby trap wonderful i learned a lot i think i hope so i hope our <laughs> listeners did too yeah we always hope that you learn along with us because we're always learning stuff yeah. uh but if you would like to keep up on our episodes drops you can follow us on facebook or your podcatcher of choice uh, we are on most of them now yeah. which is exciting it is so thank you all for listening and helping us to get there because yeah. having our listenership accounts up definitely helps with that. So does getting reviews. So if you have the ability to review on your podcatcher of choice, please do. If you can't review on the podcatcher, then if you can on either Apple Podcasts, which we are on now, hooray, or on Facebook, you can yep. leave reviews both those places and it really helps out. Or email. Or, well, yes, you can email us, but that's not a review. <laughs> no, but you can email us if you've yes, got Yes, you can uh, email us at thewatchyourmouthpod at gmail.com yeah. if you would like to give suggestions or if you have any corrections or anything like that. We would love to hear from you. Yeah, or just feedback. I mean, if you we get in, we try to get into some conversations on if you have a different point of view, we, we're interested in hearing it. Yeah, as long as you're nice. Yeah, just be, if you can, be nice. That'd be Please helpful. Please be nice. We are nice people and we hope that you are nice too. Yeah, and it's what's nice is we don't get super caught up in, you know, we don't, we're not looking every day at how many people are listening, but the number of you who are listening is increasing. Yeah. Which makes We appreciate us happy. you being here. Yeah. Because we have fun making this and it's especially more fun for my father when you listen to it. Yes. I like it and he likes it a lot. I do. I think that's fun. Which is good. Yeah. Uh, so we will catch you next week, Tuesday. We will. And in the meantime, I hope y'all have a great week. I'm Milo. And I'm Dave. Stay curious and carry hatchet. like um we are doing a special little segment which um if you're only hearing the audio version of this we are going to have the video up on our facebook page mm -hmm. we wanted to specifically honor what we would call one of our super fans and we've mentioned her numerous times on the podcast and that is jane from australia yes so jane was kind enough to give us a goodie box delightful from australia and she requested that we open it on uh on air while we're recording i've kind of looked through the box i cheated a little bit milo has not oh, so i'm gonna so let i will you... do the unboxing because my father is a filthy cheater wow <laughs> and that's why your mom divorced me oh no <laughs> Well, that shouldn't be a joke. On I guess. that note, hey, let's open the box. It's a joke. Oh, it's so cute. It's got a little koala on it. It does. Uh huh. I actually asked specifically if there would be Milo in the box, as that is my name, and also a brand of chocolate drink popular in Australia. We'll have to. So, just a little, we're going to do, um, as we record, we're not going to do every one of these this episode, but mm -hmm. we are going to do a few over the next few episodes. So, we're not going to try that one right now. We'll try that at a later date. Yeah. 
but we'll let you know how it is. I've been wanting to try it since I changed my name. Yeah. Um, we have Frogs Alive, which I have to say doesn't sound super appealing, but I do like gummy candy, as long as they're not alive. Do you it's, think they're it, alive? Hold on. Um, filled with actual frog bites. Oh, no! Living frogs. Okay, so that's one. We got living frogs. What else do you want to pull out of there? Um, oh, oh, she did specifically. Oh, we got Vegemite. Yeah, I don't know about that. I have never had Vegemite. I haven't either. Uh, it's, I honestly don't think I could even You know what, what it, is? it is? It's black paste made from like spores or something or I think pure evil. Oh, it's yeast. It's okay, made from it's, pure it's evil. Like yeast. Okay, sure. We got a tube of pure evil. Thank you, Jane, for your very kind <laughs> gift that we're pooing on. We're, oh, gosh. No, we're, yeah, you're right. No, just, we're just having fun. Yes, this no, is we are. Amazing. We appreciate it. Tiny Teddy Chocolates. That looks good. Mm-hmm. That looks good. Looks like Teddy Grahams, which we have yeah, here. Yeah, yeah. Anzac, maybe? Those Anzac? Are, those are biscuits. They're little biscuits. They're cute. Um, we've got eucalyptus candies. Oh, I like eucalyptus. Yeah. Oh, I've actually had one of these before. What Carmelo is it? Carmelo Co Oh, Those are looks... very tasty. We're going to eat that today. Okay, we'll eat that today. We've got some Tam Tams. Tim Tam. Tim Tam, sorry. Tim Tam. <gasps> oh, look at him. <laughs> it's a little fuzzy friend. We, we need fluffy friends. Okay, so little fluffy friend. Y'all should write in the comment of the video what his name should be. He is going to live on the microphone now. Oh, so great idea. So every episode will be blessed by our tiny koala friend. Uh, that whatever can help his name, name is, yeah. yeah. So let us know what this adorable little green vested koala should be called. We have little candies, numerous ones called minties. There's probably a good uh, four or five minties in there. And then also some unlabeled yellow candies. All right, that's a mystery treat. We're going to have to try that. That's a mystery treat. Not sure what that is. All right, so I'm opening up the Carmelo Koala. What do you think of that face? I don't love it. I'll be honest. Do you... I, he looks delicious, but also like he kind of is a bit deranged. Does he look like he wants to murder you? I am worried about it, so we should probably eat him so he doesn't. Which side me. do you? Which do you want the the I head? I like the not head because I don't want my stomach to be haunted. <laughs> oh, you want my stomach to be haunted? It already is. What? You've done crimes. <laughs> no, I haven't. It's tasty. That's great. Mm hmm I like that a lot. Okay, I chose caramello koala. Mm -hmm. I'm gonna eat the rest of that later. Um, what do you want to try next? That's probably better. Well, that's May contain egg. What? A mint. I don't know. What um? What do you? Also, they've got little cartoons on them. I'm gonna eat all my caramel koala now. Okay. Good. I'm gonna eat the rest of mine later. Um, let's try the eucalyptus candy. Or did you want to try a Tim Tam? I want to try a Tim Tam. Okay, let's try a Tim Tam. Um, Jane said that um, there's a way to try these. She said you should break the edges off and then use it like a straw. Oh, but they're rectangles. You drink coffee that way. Interesting. You break the edges off and then you drink coffee through it. Like you sip coffee, but neither one of us like coffee, so I'm sorry. Hmm, that's good. I'm making a face, but it is it is delicious. I just, I don't see how you could drink coffee through that because it's solid, so. No, it's porous. The cookie part. Oh, so you're just sucking it up through the cookie. Yeah. Mm -hmm. You eat that. Oh, you bite this end off. Okay. I was picturing like, so when we would go on road trips when I was a kid, you would bite either end off of a Twizzler and then use it to drink up some pop. No, this comes so through the cookie. Straw. I see. Mm -hmm. Okay, interesting. I'll have to try it with like some chai or something. That might be good. I like this one a lot, Jane. Mm -hmm. As much as I like the caramel koala, I like this even more better. Um, you want to do another one? You think two is enough for this time? Mm-hmm. I think we have to check out the mystery candy. It's just, it calls to my soul. Okay. Oh. Oh, it's got a little game on it. Should we play the game? It's got a game? Yeah. Oh. It's like a trivia game, which okay. we like trivia, don't we? Sure. Okay. So it looks like a little chocolate. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> it's a lot harder than I anticipated. You okay? You can't bite a chunk off of this. At least not with your front teeth, right? Lesson learned. Yeah. It's like a really strong caramel. Oh, okay. Okay. Like really strong. Um, that would probably destroy your feelings. Oh, no. Strong. I yeah. don't want to destroy my feelings. I don't have any feelings. Oh, 
Good for you. I can't eat this. <laughs> you, you can't eat the, the, the caramel thing? It's really, really hard. Really? Mm-hmm. All right. I'll have to try one. Yeah. It's, it was tasty. It was just like really, really solid. <laughs> I think you should be the one that's getting more of the camera on you than me, I think. You're kind of obscured Why? by the... Because you're better looking than I am. But I People got my little see friend over my head. Mm, I know, but it should probably be over my head, not yours. All right. Well, thanks for watching this. We'll try more later. <laughs> it's called Fantales. What is it called? Fantales. But you can't read it when it's sealed, which seems like maybe poor marketing. Maybe a branding issue there. Yeah. Not. It sounds like we're really trashing Jane's gifts, and I just think this was lovely. No, it's lovely. Let's play the little game. And, and then so we'll be friendly. Good. Okay. It was very, very sweet of you, Jane, both literally and figuratively, because there's lovely sweets in here. So yeah, thank you. Yeah, it's true. I like the Tim Tam a lot. Who am I? You're Milo. Good I job. win. You win. <laughs> the end. That was a dumb game. I know, right? <laughs> it's so easy. Oh, let me try it. Who okay. am I? Well, the answer says Twilight. What? Oh. It says Twilight. Okay. I don't understand this game at all. So now my dad is... I'm, I think that might be a good name for like your DJ career. Twilight Dave? DJ Dave Twilight. I think I like Twilight Dave better. Dave Twilight? Like a Dave last Twilight. name? Yeah. Oh, okay. DJ Dave? It's, been it's right in there. So yeah. Thanks, Jane. You gave us both lovely treats and a new name for my father. No, we didn't. <laughs> we will do this again. Um, yes. And uh, hopefully you guys like this. We'll splice this at the very end of the, the episode. And, um, yeah, we'll keep trying. There's a lot more goodies, and we're going to we'll try them all. But there won't be any Tim Tams left next week. I can tell you that yes, those are good. We, we will definitely eat those because they're wonderful. Yummy. Thank you, Jane. Thank you, Jane.